Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. I'm excited to announce that we just launched my new book, The Fasting Transformation, a functional guide to burn fat, heal your body, and transform your life with intermittent and extended fasting. If you've been listening to this podcast for any period of time, you know that I'm a huge advocate of fasting. And in this book, I take you on a journey to help you understand how fasting helps balance your blood sugar and improve your insulin sensitivity, how it shuts down inflammation in the body, how it optimizes your hormones, turns on fat burning, and activates stem cells for deep cellular healing. Guys, I go through how fasting, I go through all the best science and research on intermittent and extended fasting and how to utilize it to help prevent or even heal from cancer, autoimmune conditions, digestive disorders, and neurodegenerative conditions like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Guys, the book goes over all the various research and practical applications for daily intermittent fasting, partial fasting, and extended fasting. This book is designed to help inspire and empower you to embrace a fasting lifestyle while also enjoying tasty and healthy foods at the right time to improve your metabolic flexibility and energy efficiency so you can burn fat for fuel and have all day energy. You are going to love this book. So check it out. You can get it on amazon.com. We also have a website, drjockers.net forward slash fasting transformation. That's drjockers.net forward slash fasting transformation. You can learn more about it. And of course, you can pick the book up on Amazon. You're going to love it. Thanks so much, guys. This podcast is an audio recording of one of my most popular YouTube videos all about cholesterol. I'm going to go through the functional lab ranges and root causes of problems with your lipids, dyslipidemia, so problems with your LDL, HDL, triglycerides. We're going to talk about the terrible triad of high LDL, high triglycerides, and low HDL. We're going to talk about, you know, if you only have high LDL, is that really a problem? So there's so much um, just misinformation when it comes to cholesterol. So I'm going to clear that up for you guys. We're going to go through root causes of issues that do take place with cholesterol and what you can do about them. You're going to love this podcast. And hey, if you wouldn't mind going into your Apple iTunes recording on your phone and giving us a five-star review on our podcast, when you do that, that allows us to reach more people and impact more lives. Thanks so much for being a part of our community and let's go into the show. 
Well, hey there. Today we are talking about cholesterol. We're going to go through functional lab ranges and the root causes of this condition called dyslipidemia, where you may have an imbalance in different types of lipids, triglycerides, cholesterol, LDL, HDL cholesterol. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And what you're going to learn, you're going to learn about what cholesterol is, what triglycerides are. You're going to learn about proper LDL and HDL, as well as HDL and triglyceride ratios. We're going to talk about the root causes behind high cholesterol. So if you have what maybe you've been told you have high cholesterol, we're going to talk about why that may be. We're going to talk about additional labs to review. We're going to talk about support strategies for optimal lipids. So many people are told they have high cholesterol and they tell me their numbers and it's not high at all. Or they tell me that they have high cholesterol and they tell me, you know, it's because, or they think it's because, you know, they eat a certain, you know, healthy diet, maybe that's high in fat, for example, and they think that's the reason. And it may not be the reason that in some cases, uh, potentially there may be some, uh, some, some issues going on there with the diet that need to be addressed for sure. However, I see a lot of people that are living health conscious lifestyles that are being tricked or manipulated into believing they have high cholesterol, or they're being tricked into believing the root cause is their diet when it's actually something else that's going on or some sort of uh, inflammatory trigger that they're not aware of. And so we'll talk about that as we go on. But of course, this video is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure any medical condition, and it's for informational purposes only. The video is not a treatment protocol and does not replace a consultation with a healthcare practitioner. You are fully responsible for what you do or don't do with the information in this presentation. Now, let's talk about cholesterol. Cholesterol is a really, really important compound in the body that's used to produce vitamin D. It's used to produce all of our sex hormones, including testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. It's also attached to bile salts, right, to create bile, right? So cholesterol is the backbone with bilirubin, which is a breakdown product of red blood cells, and with a bile salt like choline or taurine, um, and it produces bile that we eliminate toxins through. So cholesterol, very, very important substance and something that is really critical. Now, in our society, we've been told to believe that LDL or low-density lipoproteins, and these are actually proteins, believe it or not. So when we look at LDLs and we look at HDLs, these are actually proteins, but they do carry cholesterol. So these are proteins that carry cholesterol and LDLs are going to carry more cholesterol than HDLs, right? So there's a higher quantity of triglycerides and cholesterol in LDL than there is with HDL. But what we have to realize also is that LDLs, as they're bringing the cholesterol, they're also bringing a whole bunch of fat-soluble nutrients like vitamin A vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K to the cell membrane. They're bringing phospholipids. All of our cells, they have this phospholipid bilayer. So the outer layer is these phospholipids and we need healthy phospholipids for, for good health. And so that's actually what LDL is bringing to the cell. So the way to think about LDL is it's really responding to, its, its, its goal is to bring healing nutrients, right? Compounds that help heal and repair the cell membrane and the different uh, compounds within the cell. 
And so when the need, when oxidative stress goes up in the body and there's more damage to the cells and the lipid bilayers, we're going to need more compounds getting out there. And so it's kind of like a fire truck. You know, if, if there's a lot of fires going on, there's going to be a lot of fire trucks on the road. Is it the fire truck's fault that there's a lot of fires? No, it's not. They're trying to save the day. So we can't, we can't just say, okay, because LDL's up, this is bad. And, um, you know, it's a bad type of cholesterol that we need to suppress. We ask, have to ask, why is LDL up? Is there a good reason or is this a maladaptative process, which in some cases it may be? Um, and we'll talk about that. And so this is what we have to ask. And, the, and same with HDL. So when we look at LDL, you know, there are large LDL particles, pattern A, and there are small LDL particles, pattern B. The large LDL particles are actually bringing lots of different compounds, phospholipids, triglycerides, right? All those things I was talking about, fat-soluble nutrients, and they have a large quantity of them. The small LDL particles are actually what we call the real bad cholesterol because they're more prone to oxidation, whereas the large LDL particles, the pattern A, are less prone to oxidation because they have more antioxidants, higher levels of vitamin E, for example, that protect them from oxidative stress. They've got more precious cargo that they're bringing out to the cells. That's one of the main reasons. And then also it's their size. So these small LDL particles are small and they can slip into the endothelial lining in, the, in between the junctions between the cells where they can kind of get caught in the endothelium and be oxidized and cause more damage to the endothelial lining, which is the inner lining of the blood vessels. Whereas the large LDL particles of pattern A are more buoyant. That's kind of the term that's used. And they are too large to slip into the lining of the endothelium. And so again, they have more vitamin E. They're again, less susceptible. Whereas the small LDL, uh, the, the pattern B, are much more prone to oxidative damage. And when these particles get damaged from oxidation, they create more inflammation, okay? So the oxidative stress, you know, is really the root cause, but, you know, a vehicle that the oxidative stress uses to cause further damage are these small LDL particles, which is gonna cause more damage to the blood vessel, which is gonna cause more stiffening or what we call arteriosclerosis, um, and so I think that's super important to understand. Um, so we have to understand how, how that works. And you can see this number five, after a meal, blood fat level doubles in pattern B versus pattern A. And what that's talking about is triglyceride levels. Triglyceride levels are going to go up with high insulin, right? So high blood insulin is one of the main factors associated with this pattern B, this small LDL particle. High insulin tells our body not to burn fat, to only burn sugar. And so we get more fat in our blood, more higher triglycerides, because we're not bringing them into the cells to burn them into the muscle cells to burn them as an energy source. So HDL is what we call our good cholesterol, right? It's kind of recycling. It's, it's kind of the, the leftover lipoprotein. Um, you know, after we dump off the cargo, we've got this HDL. Right. And HDL has anti-inflammatory components. It also helps to, you know, clean up and pull out excess 
LDL particles or excess, I should say, cholesterol particles um, that are that are around the vessel walls. It has anticoagulant capabilities. It also uh, helps buffer oxidative stress, believe it or not. So we want a certain amount of HDL that's very, very healthy for the body. And so triglycerides, what are triglycerides? A triglyceride is a type of lipid or fat that's used for long-term energy storage in the body. So it's a great, it's an energy storage form. Now we're going to have this in our bloodstream, but we don't want too much of it in our bloodstream. Okay. So we need some of this in our bloodstream. It's carrying an energy source, right? So it's carrying energy to different areas for different cellular function. But if we have too much triglycerides, again, that's a sign of high insulin and we're struggling to get the triglycerides into the cells, particularly fasting triglycerides. This is why when you go and you get your blood work, you ideally are fasting for 12 to 14 hours or the triglyceride levels, you know, there, there's a different scale for the triglyceride levels. So we're looking at, we want to see the triglycerides at a certain level and I'll go through all those ranges as we go on. Um, you know, like for with triglycerides, I want to see them under 100 when even fasting. So fasting for 12 hours overnight should be under 100. Okay, now right after a meal, it's going to be a little bit higher depending on what you ate in that meal, um, what your insulin levels were after that meal. But we're not typically concerned with that. We're concerned with the fasting. That's what we're really looking at because insulin should go down over time. And so when we're fasting, insulin comes down, triglycerides should go down. Our body should be in fat burning mode. And we should be able to see that reflected on the blood work. Now, different types of fat in the body. So the type of fat that's associated with insulin resistance is the visceral fat, okay? So the visceral fat is that kind of deep abdominal fat as opposed to the subcutaneous fat, which, you know, is there for um, warming our body, for protection, right? Um, you know, plays, plays a vital role in a number of different functions. We all are going to have some of that subcutaneous fat and that's important, but the visceral fat is the insulin resistant fat. It's releasing high amounts of pro-inflammatory cytokines. So it's actually, it's actually ramping up oxidative stress and inflammation in the body, which again is what we talked about is the issue with, you know, arterial sclerosis, atherosclerosis, it's the oxidation, it's the inflammation, it's these kinds of compounds that are creating these problems and visceral fat could be releasing that. And how do we have visceral fat? When we have insulin resistance. So that's one of the key factors that we're going to talk about. You know, we look at inflammation, some of the measurements, um, you know, we're going to see things like C-reactive protein being elevated. If we see that up over one, that's not a good sign. Okay. You know, it's not typically flagged until it's up over three, two or three, but if it's up over one, that's not a good sign. Okay. Now, abdominal fat, insulin resistance, visceral fat, you know, these types of things are going to raise up C-reactive protein. So we want to watch out for that. Now, what is the optimal range for your lipid profile? Here's what I like to see. Cholesterol between 180 and 300. Now, on the, on the lab itself, it is going to be flagged high if it's over 200. So you're going to look at your lab, and if it's 250, it's going to be flagged high. And if you don't understand that, your doctor is going to say, you know, your typical conventional doctor or your cardiologist is going to say, wow, you have high cholesterol. I am telling you that number alone, your total cholesterol does not tell you what's actually happening. Are you under oxidative stress? Do you have pattern A LDL particles, right? The large buoyant particles 
that are less prone to oxidative stress, or do you have the pattern B, the small, dense LDL particles that are more prone to oxidative stress? It doesn't tell you that. That's what we have to figure out. I like to see the LDL to HDL ratio three to one or less. So three parts LDL to one part HDL or less. You know, two to one is great. So if you get two parts LDL to one part HDL, let's say 150, say your LDL is 150, your HDL is 75. Great. Fantastic. Your LDL is 160, your HDL is 80, right? That's a 240. You know, that's a total cholesterol of 240. Your doctor would say that's a high cholesterol, but your ratio is perfect. It's great. We don't want to do anything there. Triglyceride HDL ratio. Triglyceride HDL ratio should be two to one or less, ideally like one to one. So if you go back to that one example, if your, if your HDL was 80, ideally your triglycerides are right around 80, okay? They should be under 100. Now, they're not typically flagged on a lab test until they're, under, until they're over 150. But to me, that's 100 to 150 is, is high. Um, you know, they're, they're, that's, that's a sign of insulin resistance. If you're fasting, they should be down under 100. If you're metabolically flexible and healthy, your body should be good at burning fat for fuel. So it's the triglycerides are getting in the bloodstream, but they're going right into the cells being used as an energy source. And therefore they're not accumulating in the bloodstream. Okay. When you have high insulin, they accumulate in the bloodstream and we end up with that, that sort of issue and more oxidative stress and inflammation. So anti-inflammatory diet and lifestyle, you know, is really a good foundational start for your lipid profile profile because it increases your LDL particle size to the less oxidation prone state. Again, that pattern A, large buoyant particle, increases the amount of HDL available to recycle LDL from the blood before it has a chance to become oxidized. It also improves the LDL to HDL ratio. Again, we want that three to one or less, two to one is great. And it lowers the triglyceride and improves the triglyceride to HDL ratio, getting that down under two, close to one. Now let's talk about factors that cause poor cholesterol and lipid ratios. Of course, poor diet, okay? Particularly a diet high in processed foods and carbohydrates, as well as um, inflammatory seed oils like corn oil, soybean oil, safflower, cottonseed oil, peanut oil, um, canola oil, these things are, are things you definitely want to avoid. Sedentary lifestyle. So if you're not moving your body, okay, then you're going to have higher insulin levels and that's going to cause, you know, again, a problem here. Chronic stress, right? Chronic stress is a big factor. Chronic stress can definitely drive up more inflammation, more blood sugar imbalances, more of an insulin roller coaster, cause problems. Insulin resistance in general, right? Some people are more genetically prone to it. Some people it's very much lifestyle induced. Most people it's kind of a combination, right? There's some genetic components and then lifestyle. They're stressed out. They're not sleeping well. They're not moving well. They're not exercising, building muscle, and they're not eating right, right? So we got to look at that. Hypothyroidism, which again is another big factor here. The thyroid hormone, T3 active thyroid hormone actually activates the LDL receptor. So if you have low T3, you're not going to be able to pull LDL, right? That it's not going to be able to, the LDL particles are not going to be able to attach to the uh, receptors as effectively on the cells. So you're going to have higher amounts in the bloodstream. Food sensitivities, food sensitivities can drive up inflammation, which can also drive up 
some of these healing uh, compounds. Lack of sunshine. Sunshine, believe it or not, you know the 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 backbone of uh, cholesterol, squalene, gets converted into uh, the vitamin D pathway when we're exposed to sunshine. So if we're not getting enough sunshine, we can have higher amounts of cholesterol build up in our system. Poor sleep and sleep apnea. Again, that can be associated with insulin resistance, sluggish liver and bile flow. Again, bile is how we eliminate cholesterol from our bloodstream, right? So if we're not um, dumping the cholesterol and eliminating it through our feces, through the bile and through the feces, it can, it can recycle itself and get back into the, the system and we can end up with higher amounts of cholesterol. And then smoking and having heavy alcohol use, obviously toxins, things that are going to cause more oxidation and inflammation, things that are going to cause more issues with the liver where we are producing the LDL and HDL, um, all those things can be, can be issues. So again, top foods and food ingredients that promote inflammation, gluten, sugar, refined carbs, conventionally raised meat and dairy, okay? And this is because of the toxins and the bad fatty acid ratios. When these animals are fed, pesticide, herbicide-laden grains, they're going to bioaccumulate those toxins. They're also going to have higher amounts of omega-6 fats, lower omega-3s, which is going to drive up inflammation. Kind of the same with farm-raised fish and seafood. Typically, your wild-caught fish, your wild-caught seafood, your grass-fed beef, lots of conjugated linoleic acid, lots of uh, omega-3 fats, lots of antioxidants, vitamin E, and things like that in there, astaxanthin and some of the seafood. Uh, and all that provides great uh, support for boosting up your HDL, lowering your, your LDL, improving your insulin sensitivity, reducing oxidative stress. So all that's great. But, you know, we want to minimize conventionally raised and, and farm-raised fish and seafood, conventionally raised meat and dairy. Um, processed conventional meats, uh, again, can be another big factor. Trans fats in general food additives, preservatives, those processed vegetable and seed oils, like I was talking about, corn oil, canola oil, soybean, safflower, cottonseed, peanut, those oils we want to avoid, and artificial sweeteners we want to avoid as well. They're going to promote inflammation. Now, signs that you may be dealing with insulin resistance. If you tend to be overweight, particularly if you have more abdominal weight, like that tends to be where you're carrying it, that is a sign of insulin resistance. Trouble losing weight. So let's say you start exercising, you start following a good diet, but you have trouble losing weight. That can be a sign of insulin resistance, a large appetite, eat a lot of food in a meal. And then you eat the meal, but then you're still craving sweets after your meals. Okay. This is common. A lot of people do this. And this is because they're having trouble actually getting glucose into the cells because the cells aren't responding to insulin. And so they eat sweets. It doesn't relieve their cravings. They tend to feel more tired after meals because they're not they're struggling to, to actually create energy and they're creating a lot of oxidative stress in the body. They have frequent thirst and urge to urinate. That's one of the ways the body eliminates excess sugar that's not getting into the, the cells. Hormone problems like polycystic ovarian syndrome for women is, is associated with insulin resistance, causing higher amounts of testosterone in females. Now, other issues can be uh, endometriosis, for example, which oftentimes is an estrogen dominant condition so for some females, when they are insulin resistant, they have higher amounts of estrogen. Others have higher amounts of testosterone, and it can cause you know, unique patterns for them. For males, they tend to have lower testosterone when they're insulin resistant. And this is because they increase a, an enzyme called aromatase, which converts 
testosterone into estrogen. And so they have higher estrogen and they go through a, a phase of what we call male andropause where they oftentimes lose their libido. They have depression, lack of drive, low energy, um, abdominal fat buildup. Sometimes they start developing more breast tissue. You know, it's basically this low testosterone, high estrogen pattern that we'll often see and they, and they have the belly, right? The belly fat. So you should be able to look straight down, right? And be able to see your toes. And if you have to, you know, round your body, if you have to bend forward to be able to do that because your belly's in the way, that's a sign you have insulin resistance. Also, a lot of skin issues, acne, skin tags, skin pigmentation changes, all can be associated with insulin resistance and high blood pressure. And like we've been talking about, high triglycerides, very much associated with insulin resistance. I just wanted to take a moment and tell you guys about Paleo Valley and their apple cider vinegar complex. This is a phenomenal product to help improve your digestion, your blood sugar stability, and your energy levels. Most people are dealing with blood sugar imbalances, and that can lead you to have a crash in the afternoon where you need a nap. It can also lead to unwanted weight gain, to inflammation affecting your joints, your skin, and all different parts of your body. Well, you know what? Apple cider vinegar is one of the best things for helping improve your blood sugar stability. You simply take it with meals, and it helps reduce the glycemic impact of the food that you're consuming. And that's gonna help your body to burn fat for fuel. It's gonna reduce overall levels of insulin. And insulin is your pro-inflammatory fat storage hormone. We wanna get insulin under control. You know what I love about the apple cider vinegar complex that Paleo Valley made is they have a thousand milligrams of apple cider vinegar, which is equivalent to one and a half tablespoons. That is really the clinical dose to get the best results. On top of that, <clears throat> they combined it with 300 milligrams of turmeric which is a powerful anti-inflammatory herb, 300 milligrams of ginger. These are warming herbs that support good digestion, good stomach acid production. They also help to reduce inflammation in the gut and throughout the body. And they have 150 milligrams of cinnamon, which is one of the best herbs for improving insulin sensitivity and blood sugar stability. And they added in 50 milligrams of lemon into the apple cider vinegar complex to support bile flow and pancreatic enzymes. So you can really optimize your digestion and your nutrient absorption. All these ingredients are organic. So you can rest assured you're getting the highest quality product. So if you wanna check out the apple cider vinegar complex, go to paleovalley.com and use the coupon code JOCKERS to save 15% off today. Now, going back to the idea of thyroid hormone and its effects on lipid metabolism, we know that uh, there's a, when we have de decreased fractional clearance of LDL by the liver, um, there's a decreased number of LDL receptors. So basically thyroid hormone, it plays an important role in LDL receptor activity, okay? And so when we are not, when we have low T3, we're not able to um, be able to recycle the LDL as effectively. So we end up with higher amounts of LDL out in our system, okay? And so high, so hypothyroidism, and this is, this is what's so tragic, is so often 
people that actually have a thyroid issue, they go into their doctor and their doctor sees their cholesterol high. They tell them, hey, I don't feel good. I feel like I have low energy. They say, wow, your cholesterol is high. And they treat the cholesterol. And it's not a cholesterol issue. It's because they don't have the activity of the thyroid hormone. And therefore, they have a decreased number of LDL receptors and LDL receptor activity to upregulate and pull in the cholesterol. And so, so, so critical here. Now, hypothyroid symptoms, these are signs that this may be you know, one of the root, root issues for your cholesterol problems, if you have cholesterol problems based on the numbers we just talked about. Um, but classic hypothyroid symptoms, cold hands and feet, fatigue, brain fog, uh, sometimes mood issues like depression, and a loss, particularly loss of the outer third of the eyebrows. It's one of the first things I look at. It's kind of the first place where they start losing hair. Thyroid hormone plays a critical role in the hair follicle, the maturation of the hair follicle. If you're losing hair, particularly the outer third of your eyebrows, that is a sign that you are not having enough thyroid hormone. Also, you may have swelling around your throat, trouble swallowing sometimes. That can be an issue. Um, low body temp, again, dry skin and hair. You know, you can see it on there, high cholesterol headaches, weight gain, trouble losing weight. Some of these overlap with insulin resistance, but some of the big ones that are different are the cold hands and feet, okay? Uh, with insulin resistance, you don't typically have that. Um, also, the loss of the outer third of the eyebrows is a common one. You don't typically have that with insulin resistance. Sometimes like a slowing of your heart, uh, you'll notice just kind of like a big heaviness or fatigue that you may notice as well. Um, and then the swelling in and around the throat, possible goiter, that is associated with insulin resistance as well. Some of the other, I'm sorry, that is not associated with insulin resistance. That's just associated with thyroid issues. Um, whereas things like decreased libido, that could be thyroid or insulin resistance. Weight gain, right? Trouble losing weight, that could be thyroid or insulin resistance. So those ones overlap. Whereas a lot of these other ones, constipation, that's not associated with insulin resistance loss of the outer third of the eyebrows, dry skin and hair, not necessarily associated with insulin resistance. Okay. So those are things to look out for. Food sensitivities and food allergies, another common cause of high cholesterol. Uh, most common things that people are sensitive to are going to be things like wheat and gluten, milk, dairy products in general, corn, eggs, sugar, right? And you may say, okay, I'm not really consuming any of those. A couple other ones, nuts can be an issue. Also, coffee, believe it or not, for some people, coffee will drive up LDL, you know, and sometimes triglyceride levels. So, you know, it's certainly not, not everybody. And in fact, it's actually rare, but for some individuals, they will notice that. And so if you are consuming a food on a regular basis and you just don't feel great after you're consuming that food, you may be having an immune reaction to that food. And the unique thing about food sensitivities, as opposed to food allergies, which are immediate and possibly deadly, like your lip swells up, you know, you can't breathe, your throat starts swelling. That is an immediate response. You know, immediately, hey, I can't handle that food or I'm going to the hospital. With a food sensitivity, it can, it can, you may not even feel symptoms for 72 hours, for three days, right? It may take for your immune system to develop enough um, antibodies, enough IgG antibodies, but it is an immune response. 
and it is driving up inflammation in your body. So you want to really be on the lookout for that. Most of the time, most of the time with food sensitivities, if you consume enough of that food to hit a certain threshold, you will notice the symptoms typically within a few hours, right? You're, you'll have to start clearing your throat, for example. Um, you'll feel very fatigued. You'll have brain fog. Um, you might have a skin issue, right? A rash or something like that. Typically, it's going to be within a few hours, but potentially it could take up to 72 hours. So then the longer it takes, obviously, the more the harder it is to track and see you know, what it is. But there are some things that you can do in order to check for food sensitivities. There's lab tests. You can also check your pulse, you know, put a, a food on your tongue, um, you know, and see if it raises up your pulse rate, muscle testing, right? Where you can actually just kind of test your muscles, see if you feel weaker when you, when you uh, consume a certain food, things like that, that you can do. And then just using a journal, right? Just journaling about it, how you feel, you know, when, whenever, you know, throughout the day and then kind of looking back at what you ate throughout the day. And sometimes you can, you can spot things that you can try and you can just eliminate them for like a week at a time and see if you feel better. So that's one, one key thing there. Now, vitamin D deficiency, which is really common. Most people are not getting enough good quality sun exposure on enough of their body on a regular basis. So, you know, vitamin D exposure, very much linked with heart disease, oxidative stress, higher levels of inflammation in the body. And really, it impacts every system of the body. Now, when we look at blood cholesterol levels, we've got this compound squalene. Squalene converts into dehydrocholesterol, and then sunlight takes it down the vitamin D pathway. When we're not getting sun, uh, we get the cytochrome P450 reductase enzyme that comes in and converts dehydrocholesterol into cholesterol right? And then into the cholesterol ester. And so it goes down a cholesterol pathway. Now, it actually is going to go through both of these pathways, right? Uh, when you get sunlight. So it's not like you're not going to have cholesterol. You're, you're, you're constantly producing cholesterol. It's one of the most important compounds your body does create. Super, super critical. Um, but vitamin D is also very critical. And so we need that sun exposure to convert a certain amount into vitamin D. And sometimes the body, some, some individuals, the way their body responds to a vitamin D deficiency is they just keep producing the cholesterol, hoping the sun, they're going to get that sunlight conversion, taking it down the vitamin D pathway, but they're not getting the sunlight. So, you know, this is interesting guys, basically oftentimes, <laughs> you know, and, and really this is what you need to understand about what I just talked about is that your blood cholesterol is not impacted by the cholesterol that you consume in your diet. I want to repeat that for you guys. The amount of cholesterol you have in your blood is not impacted by the cholesterol you consume in your diet. So if you're eating something that has cholesterol in it, that is not going to elevate your blood cholesterol. It's actually things that increase your blood sugar and your insulin levels. Those are the things when it comes to diet. Those are the things that are going to cause higher amounts of LDL, higher amounts of cholesterol and triglycerides. And on top of that, it's things that drive up inflammation. So things that increase blood sugar and insulin and things that drive up inflammation. That's why, for example, conventional meat, you know, I didn't that conventional meat, unless it's got sugar on it, if it's just, you know, conventional, um, you know, chicken patty or something, it's not going to drive up insulin, but 
it may have toxins in it from the herbicides, things like that, bad fatty acid ratios that are now going to drive up inflammation, oxidative stress in the body. So that is critical to understand. Vegetable oils, right? So if you use corn oil, that itself is not going to drive up insulin. However, it is going to drive up inflammation and oxidative stress in the body. And indirectly, that will cause more insulin resistance because it damages and alters hormone receptors. So the body doesn't respond to insulin as effectively. So we need to produce more insulin and we get more problems. So when we're looking at best routine blood labs, we want to look at hemoglobin A1C, which is a measurement of glycation or the impact of sugar in the blood. So sugar will bind to red blood cells and cause this glycation sort of pattern and damage the red blood cells. So we want to look at what percentage of our red blood cells are glycated. And ideally, we want to keep that under 5%, right? So or particularly 5.2% or lower. Fasting glucose. What does your glucose look like? You know, when you wake up in the morning, what does your insulin look like? Fasting insulin. And then there's actually something that kind of combines those, and it's called our HOMA IR, which is our homeostatic uh, assessment of your ins of insulin resistance. So for some people, they have a little bit higher fasting glucose, but their fasting insulin is really low. For other people, their fasting glucose looks great. Their hemoglobin A1C looks great, but their insulin is high, right? And so that's kind of a formula that looks at that. And you guys can check out uh, another video I did on, on testing blood sugar where I go through that in more detail. Um, and then there's inflammatory markers, high sensitivity C-reactive protein. We want to see that under one. LDH, lacto lactate dehydrogenase. When that's high, that's a sign that cells are being damaged. There's higher amounts of oxidative stress and inflammation in the body. So we don't want to see that. Serum ferritin, if that's over 150. So LDH, we want between 140 and 180. Serum ferritin, we want that to be under 150. Under 150. That is an acute phase reactant of oxidative stress if it's elevated. And I do have a uh, another video on inflammatory lab markers as well that you guys can check out. And then homocysteine, which is an inflammatory protein. We want that between six and nine, six and nine millimoles per liter. If it's up over nine, that is definitely increasing your risk of arterial disease. It's inflammatory. It really creates more stress in the blood vessels, increases your risk of neurodegenerative conditions as well. And then of course, your lipid panel, your VLDL, your LDL, HDL, triglycerides, you know, really, you don't necessarily need to need to be worried about VLDL if your LDL to HDL ratio is three to one or less, particularly close to two, and your triglyceride HDL ratio is under two, particularly close to one. We're in that range. VLDL is going to be in good range as well. Now, top strategies to improve cholesterol and lipid ratios. Again, anti-inflammatory nutrition plan. I'm a huge fan of lots of green leafy vegetables. Uh, low-carb vegetables, lots of healthy meats, uh, grass-fed, wild-caught salmon, grass-fed beef, um, pasture-raised animal products, healthy fats like avocados, coconut oil, things like that, um, olive oil, all that stuff's great. Berries, so fruit in moderation. So berries are one of the best, most nutrient-dense, lower in, in sugar. Intermittent fasting, huge, right? Regular exercise, getting getting out, moving your body regularly, intermittent fasting, going, for example, 16 hours without food. So eating your meals between, let's say, 10 a.m. and 6 p.m., and then fasting from 6 p.m. to 
10 a.m. the next morning and just drinking water, herbal tea, black coffee, but not consuming calories. So powerful for helping regulate uh, your insulin levels, your blood sugar levels, getting inflammation down, regular exercise, particularly doing strength training, building lean body tissue, really powerful for cholesterol and lipid ratios, bringing down those triglycerides. Watch out for food sensitivities. You know, if you're already doing those top three, that's kind of those top three and then reducing stress, getting sun exposure and optimizing your sleep, really working on trying to get to sleep at a good time and optimizing your sleep environment for, for your best quality sleep. Those things are your foundation, right? So do all those things. If you're still not seeing changes, we need to look at what's happening with thyroid health, right? Where's your thyroid at? We need to look at food sensitivities potentially. And then we also want to support liver health and bioflow. Cause again, that's how we eliminate a lot of this cholesterol. So some of the best things for, for biohealth are apple cider vinegar, taking some apple cider vinegar and water. And I've heard a lot of people say, yeah, I do apple cider vinegar, tablespoon in water every day. And my cholesterol came down. My blood, my blood sugar came down. My blood pressure came down. Why? Because apple cider vinegar is really good for the microbiome, really good for digestive juice production, helps us digest food more effectively, has blood sugar uh, and insulin uh, sensitivity improving benefits. So great things there. And then you've got uh, different, different herbs like artichokes, consuming artichokes, lemon, lime, parsley, cucumber, celery, mint, cilantro, radishes, milk thistle, dandelion, turmeric, ginger, sauerkraut, and green tea that all help with thinning bile, helping move it through the system. And again, that's how we eliminate cholesterol from the body. And then there are different supplements that can support you as well. Like this is Bioflow Support, uh, which is a great product that has taurine and choline and your bile salts, as well as things like dandelion in there to help really thin out the bile. And we've also seen that this can really help regulate your cholesterol levels as well. So if you're concerned that you do have high cholesterol, taking something like this will help reduce it. Also has things like niacin in it, uh, vitamin B3, which has been shown to help uh, improve liver health and also at the same time help, help stabilize cholesterol too. Uh, and then Tugka Complete, right? Tugka Complete has a whole number of herbs, milk thistle, marshmallow, right? Parsley, a lot of these things that I talked about, as well as Tudka. And Tudka is one of the most powerful bile salts. Really, this is a great product for really helping move bile through. Um, also helps support mitochondria, liver and kidney health. So great product as well. You don't have to use both of those. You can just use one Bioflow Support, Tudka Complete. And then also some activated charcoal, which helps bind to bile in the, in the gut, right? So it helps kind of bind it up and pulls it out. And it's been shown to help lower cholesterol levels as well due to its binding capacity. On top of that, it can also help remove things like toxic mold, things like that. And that's actually something I didn't even talk about. For some people, they're having their inflammatory reaction because they're breathing in mold all day, right? So they're being exposed to toxic mold or mycotoxins that could be impacting them as well. So for all these things, you know, certainly you can check out my website for these different products. Uh, but hopefully you guys got a lot out of today's training. We talked a lot about these cholesterol ratios and uh, root cause factors behind them. And, you know, the big takeaway here is eating saturated fat and eating cholesterol does not increase your cholesterol. It's not saturated fat. It's not cholesterol that increases your cholesterol. It's actually you know, from a dietary perspective, it's eating processed foods, sugars, uh, seed oils, these processed seed oils, toxins, 
herbicides, pesticides, things like that, that will drive up your cholesterol or, you know, some sort of sense, some sort of food that your body's having an immune reaction to that will drive that up from a dietary perspective. But again, there's other factors too. Like, again, we talked about thyroid issues, not getting enough sunlight. So a lot of these factors that most doctors have no idea, no clue about, they're just not being addressed. So ultimately, you know, you got to really get to the root cause. Hopefully this helped um, with this video. So anyways, guys, we'll see you on a future video. Everybody be blessed. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on, or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.